the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money invested in more. Trying to find the trends, trying to find the stories, trying to find the investment ideas to help you get to retirement. You need somewhere between 10 and 20 times your income before you retire. Through the years, I've seen that number as low as 60% of your income, 70% of your income, 80% of your current income to retire. It's not that, I wish it was that kind of science and math. It's not because we're living longer and you may have had a totally healthy life up to today and you may just drop over dead tomorrow or you may drop over into a wheelchair for the next 40 years. And going into the wheelchair, you may have to say, oh, I'm going to need a driver. I'm going to need to change my house. I'm going to... There'll be some upgrades and some some lifestyle changes, right? And then if you decide, like, hey, I want to travel, even though I'm in a wheelchair, that may add extra cost to your retirement and some of your issues. So I wish it was so easy to say, you know, cover 10% or 10 10 times your salary. So I make $100,000. I need $1 million. That's not quite right anymore. So it depends on what your budget is. It depends on your expectations. It depends on a lot of luck in retirement, right? I've got two elderly family members who both had back surgeries. One went really well, and one went kind of sideways at best, slightly down. China retaliation is the big story of the day, with the markets falling pretty aggressively on Friday, well, on Thursday and Friday, and on Saturday. Uh, on Saturday, it's Monday. Um, obviously Monday, world markets all went lower. And I don't know. China's retaliation, it, it, it's so tough to talk about because the late night comics are doing such a good job of skewering the president. Maybe sometimes too much, maybe sometimes not enough. I don't know. It's tough for me to put any sort of context and go, I, I, I don't know what's going on. Wasn't he the art of the deal president? Wasn't he the guy who's going to shake hands and look like the big man? wasn't he and that's just not how china's playing out so china's retaliation when donald trump last week ignored his staff which again i don't even know if that's a real story you have your economic advisor with you you have your treasury secretary with you you have your chief of staff with you and they're all saying it's a bad idea to throw a 10 percent tariffs down china you said that you want to do that at the g20 meeting and now you're doing it they're going to be mad and trump goes well do it anyway i don't know if i believe that story because it sounds so it's like almost like Whatever you do, don't nuke Russia. Whatever you do, don't nuke Russia. If you nuke Russia, they're going to fire back. Well, I've decided to nuke Russia. And you're like, no, you just hear all that your experts say, don't do it. it. That's what it feels like right now with the whole China thing, because Trump raises, and essentially he's hurting us at this point in time. The tariffs aren't hurting China as much as they're hurting Americans to ban for Chinese goods. But if we want that Chinese good, we're paying more for it. That's where the tariffs collected. It's on the tax on you and me. So tenor retaliation of basically devaluing their currency and cutting off the farmers of America, it's a pretty good one. You know how your microphone level goes from 1 to 10? 
or your speaker levels. As far as responses, that's at 11. So China moved to strike back at the U.S., hinting, hitting basically U.S. stocks and treasury yields. Semiconductors got hit pretty hard today. Financials are getting hit because of the interest rate issues. Um, it's it's a mess out there, to say the least. So the yuan's going to be able to depreciate below 7, instructing state-owned Chinese firms to halt U.S. crop purchases, triggering the obligatory flight to quality. It's pushed the 10-year Treasury yields down to 1.74% today. Mortgage rates are going to, short-term mortgage rates are going to be changing. So, again, potentially good time to call your real estate agent, not your real estate agent, your, uh, your mortgage lender. So where t- interest rates went today, if you're in the process of refi, you may have a much lower price today a much lower payment today than he did midweek last week. So how long will this panic last? How low uh, can we go? I say one six, one six four on the 10-year Treasury. We went there a couple years ago, and I locked in a 30-year mortgage right around that date. And I'll tell you, I got lucky. I admit to getting lucky. Um, but we're pretty close to that now. Coca-Cola was added to the fresh money list over at Morgan Stanley. They got stronger pricing power. They got volume growth. They got new products supporting acceleration. Um, They have good free cash flow. And believe it or not, in good economies and bad economies, Coke is considered a small luxury in a bad economy. I'm not telling you my personal opinions. I'm just throwing it out there for you. So where does the market go at this point in time? Um, Morgan Stanley basically says is if this trade work stays on, we go into a recession somewhere around nine months from now. U.S. services growth hits three-year low in July, so our economic data is showing some weakness. This will play into Trump will say, well, if the economy goes bad, he's going to blame China and he's going to blame the Treasury. He's not going to take credit himself. If the economy grows, he's going to take credit himself, right? It's just kind of the way both parties work. Growth in the U.S. services sector decelerated in the month of July to its weakest level in three years. Uh, There's two parts to our economy, services and manufacturing. There's other parts, but those are the the two big ones that account for basically our economy. And our economy is really focused on the service sector. So this is pretty troubling, all things considered. Um, It is a sign. The employment numbers that came out on Friday for the first Friday of the month were good. They weren't great, but they were good. Very Goldilocksian. What was it, Goldilocks? Goldilocks and Three Bears? You know, I, oftentimes I, I, I say bad words that are inappropriate for children. Um, Goldilocks is a... I, 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 imagine every curse word that's inappropriate right now. Goldilocks is a freaking blah, fill in the blank. She breaks into a bear's houses. When is was a, what is burglary rewarded? Only in fairy tales, right? And then she steals their their food. She breaks the furniture. This chair's too little. Oh, I broke it. Then she eats their food. I mean, that's that's burglary, right? So, but we do kind of like the Goldilocks message of not too hot, not too cold. So, and that's kind of where our economy is as far as uh, taking a quick look. But we're starting to weaken on the services side for an economy that's so heavily dependent on services. It's troubling. So, you can say the economy looks great, but you don't ever see the recession coming. The data that we have is typically lagging indicators. Um, See, like the services growth hits three or low. If six months from now we're in a recession, then we'd go, oh, that's a lagging indicator. It didn't tell us at the time we are in a recession. It took us six months to get there based on that information. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Um, don't forget, big seminar coming up at The Money Show. The Money Show. CFP Chad Burton and myself will be there on a Friday after Friday morning. You have to get registered with The Money Show by going to kdow.biz, and then you can um, get a download of the event schedule by going to newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm not a very big um, materialistic person. I literally want to take care of my loved ones, and that's as far as I go. I don't understand things like Lamborghinis. I get renting one for a weekend. I don't get owning one in any way, shape, or form. I kind of want to use this time to talk a little bit about the markets because I know people are going to start freaking out. We love up markets. We love up months, up days, up weeks, up years. We love up quarters. We love up uh, like just trends, nine up years on the market. When's it going to end? This is the longest bull market in the history of bull markets. Bull! People get kind of caught up in all this, and you forget what it's like when things sell off. I like sell-offs. I don't like sellouts when my kids would like tell on each other, Dad, Cam said. I'm like, you know, I, like, I hate rats more than I hate people who curse. So my kids you know, get that fear of me of like, better not rat my brother out. So what's happening? Markets are under selling pressures. It feels bad. I could take a look at my overall wealth tomorrow and go, oh no, I'm down. And it might be significant. I guess any down on paper is significant to everyone, right? I remember back in 2000, 2001, 2002, I had made so much money going up the markets in 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, that when it started to go down, I'd get emails from people going, I don't even want to look at my statement. I'm like, if you can't look at the position you hold, you need to sell it because then you're no longer looking at it and you're just doing that, you know, that blind thing. Let's put a, a blindfold on and go down the river. As a guy who's done some river rafting in his lifetime, that's not a good idea. Do not do the bird box challenge. So, markets are under pressure with China and U.S. trade issues. The latest round of the trade wars caught participants by surprise and further complicated the global economic backdrop. You know how I say Wall Street likes the demon known? So, when we went to the G20 meeting and both China and the United States says, we're not, no more tariffs. We'll figure this out before we do more tariffs. Flash forward 30 days, we're like, let's do more tariffs. You're like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I thought I knew... Demon known. Rob likes demon known. And that, that got broken. You know what kids are like when you, you tell them you're going to bring them home a gift and you don't? You break them. Honor your word. No matter what you do, honor your word. It, it's, it's consistency. Wall Street likes consistency. Your kids like consistency. So last week, we also got the Fed meeting, and there was some confusion on that. And those two events last week, Trump throwing down 10% tariffs and the Fed not delivering some clear message, has led Wall Street to, like, I'm not going to say soil themselves, but that's that's what it looks like from a short-term distance. The United States and China kicked off the latest rounds of talks in late July. An early end of the discussions put the markets on alert, 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 that there could be another tranche of, of tariffs, another deterioration in discussions. So China is halting purchases of U.S. agricultural goods in response to the extra 10% tariffs. And again, those are going to hurt American companies a lot more than Chinese manufacturers. So China has said, Let's, we're going to devalue our yuan, and we're also going to stop buying agricultural goods. An about face from prior reports just in the last couple of weeks where China was buying 
agricultural products from our farmers. Poor farmers. They get that record crazy winter, and then they get the flooding this year, and then they get China. I'm not going to say poor farmers because no one has pity for farmers. We are not a very compassionate country when it comes to farmers. So the Fed fell short of lofty expectations. We did get that 25 basis points cut, widely expected, lovely. But there was a hit after a dumbish note that would suggest three rate cuts priced in the markets would, would materialize. People were like, woohoo! But the Fed just kind of upped the rhetoric on will they or won't they? And sometimes, like in movies, like, oh, Sally met Harry, and you're like, kiss him, kiss him! And they don't do it. And then uh, Harry's got a girlfriend, you're like, kiss her, kiss her! And you're like, you can scream at it and you can want it to happen, but it doesn't necessarily fall into place. So we had very high expectations. On top of that, in the last couple of weeks, we've had earnings. So we've had the Fed without a lot of clarity. Just tell us. If you don't like us, tell us. If there's going to be more Fed cuts, tell us. we got U.S. and China problems, divorcing maybe. And then we get earnings season in the middle of this. Now, earnings has done their job. But guess what? We don't get earnings now for another 90 days. So for the next 90 days, we have to go, huh, what do you guys want to talk about? Anything you want to talk about, what we can talk about. So we're going to be talking about the Fed Reserve. <laughs> we're going to be talking about China. Until we're not, and now we're starting to talk about you know market correction, and what do you do in a market correction? Do you rebalance? Do you still want to own companies that aren't earning money, do you, or do you want to own companies that have exposure to the U.S. only? So there's a lot going on. But the earnings season delivered their job, but now we have to sit on the sides and wait another 90 days for earnings. And then we're talking about back to school. So in the next 90 days, we'll be hearing a lot of like, hey, back-to-school spending's down, but what, that maybe was pulled forward in the Amazon Prime event. We don't know. We'll look at data from China and Germany and how they paint the global economic pictures. We'll listen to Fed speakers. This week we get uh, Fed speaker Bullard and Evans. And ultimately, a lot when I say we have Fed speakers, that basically means, eh, it doesn't basically mean. Sometimes they'll give speeches. At say like a banking conference, one of the things that we will pay attention to is what are they? What's their topic? You know, um, do you lower today the Fed Governor uh, Alan Greenspan or, or Bullard or Evans today? Uh, you know, Fed Governor Evans is going to be talking about low inflation, but economic trade war. What do you do as a Federal Reserve? And it's it's almost like, wait, wait, that's us. They're not so subtle with their messages, but they'll also bring it up theoretically. Like, if you lower interest rates, this is what could happen. If you raise interest rates, this is what could happen. And, and that kind of gives you and me, the consumer of, of stock information, the ability to see what might potentially be in their head. And it's a trial balloon. And if it, if it goes over positively, that might be our play. So says the Fed. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com, robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money invested in more. Um, I don't know. The whole gun thing, I'm not going to get anywhere near. I'm going to kind of stay in my channel right now. But as the trade war conversations, as the trade war realities kind of push forward, and it appears China's trying to play the long game with the United States, the United States is trying to play the long game with China, and neither one likes to look like a fool, and the others keep painting the other the fool. 
It's got to be interesting. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble kind of thing, right? Um, <clears throat> a lot's getting hit. Apple's getting hit with the electronics. Nike's getting hit with uh, footwear. Uh, Etsy, Abercrombie and Fitch, Stitch Fix, all down on the retail side of the fence, as is Office Depot, Party City, Macy's, and Best Buy. A lot of the goods are made in China, including TVs and a lot of electronics. So it's the Trump administration is is, is playing it, uh, is involved in an interesting game. Only thirteen percent of millionaires think they're rich. Have you heard of you know stories about how? Sometimes the the behaviors of the rich, like, oh, he hasn't bought new shoes in 23 years. Ew. Oh, he hasn't, you know, it's like, he's got the same underwear from his wedding night 42 years ago. You're like, whoa, how is that possible? Or, I mean, one of my stories that I'm proud of is I basically drive a car till it completely is done, and I take good care of it while I have it, uh, because I see it as kind of just a money-suck, money-loser. Anyway, a few millionaires think that they're rich. Only 13% of millionaires think that they're wealthy. Does it, A, show you that the sign of wealth has changed? Because uh, remember Robin, this is Robin, not Givens, in the Lifestyle of the Rich and the Famous. Uh, Robin Leach. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So <clears throat> the Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous was kind of a millionaire thing, and now you're like, me, just a million? We could do better than that. So just 13% of millionaires think they're wealthy. It shows that the class and wealth are two different things. And class in America just isn't about money. A high cost of living in certain cities can also influence whether you think you're rich or not. I, you know, talk about... Uh, it's interesting to look at America and see that what's considered poverty for a family of four, as far as income goes, it differs. When you see the average American pulling in about $55,000 a year in salary, and then the kids coming out of college think that they want a six-figure job because they think that's what it's going to take to get a house and such, it shows you that there's kind of a disconnect and some disappointment out there. So there's a recent study from Ameriprise, and they're just trying to respond to when do people feel comfortable. 60% design, 60% of millionaires define themselves as upper middle class, but like in San Jose... If you pull in $177,000, this was a couple years ago, you're considered poverty. And that's stunning. You could actually get, like, food stamps. You know, you could actually get supplemental help for your family. So what is rich depends upon you. And sometimes not looking at your money is a smart thing to do because you're kind of trying to figure out what makes you happy. You'll hear a lot of CFPs go, what are you going to do in retirement? What are you going to do in retirement? You think like they're only taught to say, what are you going to do in retirement? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. We could talk about Netflix and Amazon. Both companies have had a very rough sled of it in the last couple of weeks. Um, Basically inviting you into kind of a lull of, is this the time to buy, or are they going to go lower? Is this the time to buy, or are they going to go lower? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Got an email from a listener who was concerned. He really wants to be uh, buy Beyond Meat, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to push you in that direction. Um, I think he doesn't have any clue what a secondary is, and he was asking me clues about a secondary. And he was calling it something incorrectly. 
and it really just kind of flagged me as like he just wants to own it. So maybe what I should say is, eh, why are you worried about all these statistics that you don't really know how to use anyway? Price to sales ratio, price to earnings ratio, price to debt ratio. Uh, I don't know how to answer someone who is just they. If I would read the email to you, and I'm not going to. It's pretty humiliating what he didn't know about the company. He knows that he wants to buy it. Now, the most interesting thing to me about Beyond Meat is not the fact that it is a plant-based protein. It is not the fact that it's a play on the millennials. It is not a fact that it's a play on healthier lifestyles. To me, the most interesting thing is how many people have shorted the stock and think it's going to go lower. So they've already sold the stock. Most people buy low and sell high is the goal. Shorts want to sell high and buy low, so they've already sold it, and they expect it to go lower where they can buy it at a lower price, which is one of the most ironic things of, let's say, Beyond Meat. No, no, let's not say Beyond Meat. Let's say someone hates a company called XYZ, and they short the stock. They need to get out of it before it goes to zero, if it goes to zero. So Beyond Meat last week announced a secondary offering of 3.25 million shares priced at $160 a share. Um, and a lot of people don't know what secondaries are. It's ultimately borrowing money, getting cash for exchange of shares. It's not always that, but that's a nice, easy way of, of throwing it out there. Um, I'd be very careful. I see a lot of amateurs at times wouldn't... I don't know how to say this other than to say something along the lines of when you don't know... Here's the best way I've said it. Back in the early 2000s, I had a woman call the radio show, and she asked about a company that I'm pretty sure she didn't know what the company did. It had just been a hot networking equipment stock, but she probably didn't know, is it you know, part of, you know, do they supply parts to other companies? Are they that actual said networking company? Um, what's their exposure to China? What's their exposure to you know currency? What's their exposure to tariffs? What's their exposure like? They, you have to build a, a case on on positive and negatives on companies, and I was pretty. It was pretty obvious that that wasn't happening on this one. So, um, kind of got in over their head. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Do I think would I buy Beyond Meat at 160 if that's the secondary price and that's where they're going to um, execute a swap in shares for money? Maybe this market continues to get bad and worse. I like bad markets because it ultimately gives me an opportunity to buy stocks that I think are inefficiently priced. It gives me an opportunity to get into companies that I don't have to pay 52-week highs for. Trade war is escalating, just so you know, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. So we see that China is devaluing their currency, but we're also seeing you know they've halted U.S. agricultural purchases. And that hits Trump right where he wants that hits Trump supporters hard, farmers. Um, now, a lot of what Trump's been saying recently is, oh, we're going to get the tariffs from China, and they're going to buy the uh, farm equipment for the farmers. The problem is tariffs are usually not collected off the country, but they're tied towards taxes on the product, essentially. Tariffs another word for tax. Um, so China's state-run agricultural firms have now stopped buying American farm goods and are waiting to see how the progress uh, continues. This is getting ugly. Now, how ugly is ugly? Your mama is so ugly. Remember the mama jokes? Um, Morgan Stanley says the trade war will lead to a global recession um, on all imports of China uh, products for, you know, twenty. if we hit 25% 
Morgan Stanley says global recession will come. Um, so they're out with that report today, and then you hear reports of the trade wars escalating. Starts with 10% from Trump, then China does their currency, then China says, we're going to stop buying you know, agricultural products, and we're going to hit you where it hurts most, Mr. Trump. Um, so the risk is escalating, and the risk of the global outlook are decidedly skewed to the downside. Good mean things like interest rates drop. Uh, global recession will come in about nine months if the trade war further escalates through the U.S., raising tariffs to 25% on all imports from China for four to six months. Um, Morgan Stanley says we we would see the global economy in a recession in about three quarters. So I think you're going to see some volatility as the world assesses the trade deal. Morgan Stanley is a well-respected company, and for them to say, you know, it'll take about three quarters if we continue this way, it's going to hurt China, it's going to hurt the U.S., and uh, we're big consumers in the world, but we're also good, big purchasers of other people's goods, is the right way of saying it. So um, things are escalated right now. Now, here's the problem. I know that, and you know that. And typically what causes a recession or what causes a big correction in the market isn't something that we know. It's typically more black swan event kind of thing. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget to notice that I'm going to be at the Money Show with CFP Chad Burton coming up in about a week, a week plus, uh, talking income and retirement. You can learn more by going to kdow.biz or by going to newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I do not shy away from potentially getting into sticky situations where I can put my foot in my mouth. This is one of those scenarios. Walmart had a horrible shooting this weekend that left 20 people dead at one of its stores in El Paso. It appeared to be tied towards immigration and prejudice and bigotry on so many levels. I couldn't imagine sending my kids off to a store, a mall, to go, hey, let's go get a toy today. Let's go get a new baseball a new baseball, a new baseball bat, because that's where you would go to, like a Walmart, for instance. Walmart had twenty people plus twenty people die in their stores, and a gun shooting in their stores brings up the question of: You do know Walmart sells guns, right? And a lot of gun advocates are saying that if Walmart stopped selling firearms and adopted other measures such as you know gun buybacks, they could dramatically shift the gun debate. And you know, Walmart said this. Uh, we're not going to stop selling guns. It's kind of one of those, you know, I talked to CFP Chad Burton not that long ago. What do you think about buying you know, tobacco companies? In good economies and bad economies, people are going to smoke, right? This is the second Walmart in 10 days to have a shooting. They had another one last week where, again, we kind of just forget and move on at this point in time. So should Walmart, a publicly traded company, stop selling guns? especially since they've had gunshots in their own buildings. And again, I don't think there's any no one suggesting at this point in time that someone bought a gun and used a gun, but it brings up a big moral question of a CEO, a board of directors could really radically try to change the direction of the conversation of gun battles and gun control in the United States. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. 
Uh, when you own Boeing, you are not only just owning a company that sells airplanes, but now you're learning that you own a company that sells airplanes that maybe they knew their software was going to fail a second time. Do you feel good with that? Or is that something? Do, where do you draw the line? They also make missiles that kill people. So, you know, a company like a Mondelez who makes Kraft cheese, macaroni and cheese, what point in time do you say my morals are going to stop me from owning that because American kids eat way too much food out of a box and it can't be good for you? Uh, as good as you know, healthy, fresh food, right? So 90% of Americans regret one financial mistake. What do you think that would be? Um, it's actually a pretty big one. It's wasteful spending, and it can be pretty significant. The average wasteful spending each month is about $139. Sometimes it gets a little bit higher. I've bought in things that I don't use for years. I went through a little phase where I really like, how shall we say, putting on masks for my skin. And maybe I'm making some, maybe I'm not. And there was a company that was selling clay from like an Indian reserve in India. And it was like magical clay that took 10 years off your life or something like that. And I was like, ooh, I'll try that. I order it, it comes, and I never use it. Wasteful spending is a real thing. Uh, I hate, oh. If I could eat 100% of what I bought in food, I would be thrilled. To me, the idea of like, oh, I forgot I had those grapes in the back of the refrigerator, and now they're all dried and little prunes. I'm like, I'll make, I'll eat prunes. No, I won't. But you get the idea of wasteful, it's It's significant. Some people blow as much as $520 on a, uh, one wasteful purchase, whether it's like designer shoes, a uh, new Xbox, maybe a couple new games that you buy instead of try, and then you find out you didn't really like them, but then you learn there's a no return policy. Oh, the no return policies or the restocking fees. Those are some that kill me. So I remember uh, buying things like electric electronic cameras back when before you had a phone you, you had a, a digital camera and a digital phone and then they're like hey we can put cameras in the phone lenses in the phone so i remember buying one that when it came it was just too big it was one of those things where i didn't try it i didn't see it i didn't read the, all the reviews i just saw the picture quality was what i wanted and uh, so i called the company back in new jersey because it's like an ebay purchase not even an ebay bid but a purchase where the store had a, a front on eBay, and I called them, and they're like, well, it's 50% restocking fee. I'm like, oh. So a $200, $250 phone, I had to give them a, okay, you can keep 125 That's one of the things you have to watch out for on Amazon when you buy things like furniture, is it's so expensive to ship furniture. They'll gladly send it to you knowing that you're buying a piece of crap. But when you want to send the piece of crap back, they'll be like, well, it's so heavy, and we're not paying for that. You're paying for it. So, I don't know. Furniture uh, through Amazon is... I know they're getting in their own furniture line. I know they're probably working out the kinks in it. But that's been an area that I've seen a lot of people go, oh, I need a, uh, a little uh, pull-out bed, and they get it, and it's just its awful. So Target got an upgrade today. Now, think of Target as a, a retailer that's very American-based, American consumer, but also a lot of their goods come from China. So one analyst today, Deutsche Bank's Paul Trussell upgraded Target to buy from hold. $99 price target on an $80 stock. That's not bad. That's a pretty good return if it happens. So they think the company's different than it was a few years ago. That they're you know basically doing a very nice job getting profitability per square foot in their stores. Building on that metric. Um, they have a multiple right now that's slightly below the historical average. So it doesn't look expensive. 
So they got some tough compares coming up, though, because the consumer has been strong. They've got a buyback program, which Wall Street tends to like. Um, but they also have a lot of CapEx questions at this point in time of where they're going to spend building uh, facilities in China or outside of China. A lot of questions right now, but one analyst seeing a lot of value in the company. Good upside. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.